We have got to elect Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. Well, that didn't go very well. Keep trying. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. I got the feeling that something ain't right. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in and Los Angeles, this is, is the broadcast as heard on KPFK so 90.7 FM in LA, People Powered Radio. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM Queso in Cottage Grove. In Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI in Lancaster. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM Columbus. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And yes, coast to coast and around the globe, streaming on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, Radio or Not, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk in uh, East Tennessee, and Radio Monterey up on the Central Coast. And yes, on Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your... Uh, what am I? Oh, I am your investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow from bradblog.com, already confused this week. It's one of those weeks. Uh, but I think it will be. We'll find out. It's just democracy, people. Coming up, uh, well, this changes everything. And I don't mean Trump's uh, Donald Trump's nomination as the Republican Party's presidential nominee or Hillary Clinton's selection of Virginia Senator Tim Kaine as her vice presidential pick, or even the resignation today of Democratic National Committee Chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz on the first day of the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. No, no, I mean the immediate resignation of Fox News founder and mastermind Roger Ailes, which, as we reported last week, was finally announced. Late in the week, as Donald Trump was about to accept the GOP nomination for president in the wake of uh, sexual harassment allegations against Ailes by former Fox host Gretchen Carlson and now reportedly by about uh, 20 other women. Uh, As crazy as this election cycle has been to date. And boy, has it Uh, what's happening at the right wing propaganda cable news station Fox could end up, frankly, having as profound an effect on American politics in the coming months and years as the presidential election itself. Which, by the way, wouldn't be nearly as insane this year, but for the decades long influence of that right wing propaganda cable news station known as Fox News. So we'll speak with uh, Media Matters Eric Bullard shortly about the rather stunning developments that were largely overshadowed by by uh, last week's Republican National Convention in Cleveland and the prep for this week's Democratic National Convention, which is now finally underway today in Philadelphia. So we've got a lot to cover today on all of the above. But first, some good news. 
That Munich shooting outside of a uh, McDonald's, which uh, killed some nine people on Friday and sucked up much of the news cycle that day. The good news, it's not terrorism. You don't have to worry. Nothing to worry about here at all, according to the uh, police, because it's not terrorism. Police said the killings were, quote, not terrorist related, unquote. They added that the 18-year-old shooter uh, in that uh, event was armed with an unlicensed Glock 9mm pistol. He had 300 rounds of ammunition in his backpack. German prosecutors said the shooter was suffering from mental illness and had received psychiatric treatment in the months leading up to the killings. In a raid on his family's apartment in an affluent suburb of Munich, police discovered extremist material linked to mass shootings, including the attack uh, in uh, Norway back in 2011 by a white supremacist who murdered 77 people. It took place on the fifth anniversary of that Norway attack, and the uh, Munich terrorist recently had changed a profile picture uh, at an online messaging service to one of that Norway terrorist. So he uh, idolized, apparently, that terrorist and that attack, but it was not terrorist-related, according to the police. Well, that's all Fox News needed to know to move on to something else entirely. Nothing to worry about, nothing to see here. I, I, I mean, the way, you know, I guess uh, if it's not tied directly or uh, even indirectly to ISIS or Middle East, to some kind of Muslim terrorism, then it's not terrorism at all. Apparently, that's a redefinition of domestic yeah. terrorism, yeah. because to me, that sounds like that would be domestic terrorism. D- domestic German terrorism. Yeah, yeah of course. And it's... <laughs> Uh, it, it's just so twisted it's the way com- that we now think. And that has to do, by the way, with Fox News and what I was talking about before. Yeah, it's completely defined by race, apparently. And so now they just stop talking about it. It doesn't matter. They've moved on. So along those lines, I guess, similarly, good news out of Fort Myers, Florida, where two are dead outside a, a, a teen party at a club uh, on uh, on Sunday night, early morning, yes, another mass shooting. This time uh, the dead included a 14-year-old and an 18-year-old, and more than a dozen others were injured as parents were picking up their children from the Club Blue Bar and Grill in Fort Myers when gunfire erupted outside, the club said in a Facebook post. At least 16 others, uh, including the 14-year-old Sean Arch, uh, Archiles, and Stefan Strader, who was 18, uh, they were killed. 16 others aged uh, 12 to 27 were wounded in the shooting. Four are still hospitalized on Monday. Two are in critical condition. Two are in fair condition, according to the hospital. But police stressed that the shooting was, quote, not terror-related. <sighs> Nothing to worry about. By the way... Uh, where were, uh, you know, obviously this is because there was, you know, a bad guy or at least at least one bad guy with a gun, not enough good guys with a gun. Oh, wait, Club Blue put out a statement. They said we tried to give the teens what we thought was a safe place to have a good time. Ages 12 to 17. There was armed security as well as full security inside and out. As the club was closing and parents were picking their children up, that's when all of this took place, according to the statement. There was nothing more we could have done. As you see, it was not kids at the party that did this despicable act. 
uh, said Club Blue. Uh, police didn't know how many shots were fired, but the front of the club was covered with at least 36 yellow evidence markers. That despite the armed security both inside and out. But, you know... The only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. But you can uh, rest easy knowing that it wasn't terrorism, so we don't have to talk about it. We can move on to something else. And, of course, all of the cable media news outlets are doing that today. And before we move on to something else, I'm trying to push some of this stuff I really need you to know about up at the top. Because I know, as usual, it's going to get lost and buried in um, in all of the, uh, this week's political news. Uh, but a deadly heat wave is scorching central and eastern U.S. Six, six heat-related deaths so far have been reported as dangerously high temperatures scorch portions of the eastern and central U.S. Heat advisories remain in effect, according to the National Weather Service. Cody Flom, a 12-year-old, suffered a fatal heat stroke while hiking on Friday at the Sonoran Mountain Preserve in Arizona. Temperatures had soared to 111 degrees there. Heat indexes were well over 100 degrees across dozens of states um, in the central and east portions of the country. Temperatures could also reach the century mark uh, again on Monday. So that was on Sunday Concern about that uh, happening again on Monday in New York and in Washington, D.C., uh, and in Philadelphia, where uh, this week's Democratic National Convention is kicking off. And the last thing they need is another. <laughs> the last thing they need there, frankly, is more heat, but they are going to get it. This heat dome is this. Um, how do we describe this? Does this uh, high would, pressure? System? It's a high pressure system that is pretty much parked over the entire continental United States. And that uh, because it's not moving on, it's creating this extended, persistent, intense heat wave. And that the buildup of temperatures over time is ten, tends to uh, increase the number of people who die from it. That uh, heat dome is now over some 54 million people who are under excessive heat warnings across 12 states. Uh, residents are obviously encouraged to stay hydrated, find air conditioning, uh, and avoid heat exhaustion or heat stroke. Uh, hot, dry, and breezy conditions out here in California uh, and across much of the West Coast have hampered efforts to contain rapidly expanding wildfires. On the West Coast, uh, one of which is uh, visible from our studio here, at least yep. one of which we saw uh, two over the weekend that you could see from miles in every direction, including the sand fire, uh, which uh, as of Sunday was only 10 percent contained. It has consumed more than thirty three thousand acres. Yes, it's tinder dry here in yep. California. Five years of drought, uh, excessively high heat. We, you know, just had a, a huge, uh, several heat waves already this year. And uh, scientists note just last week, and this is one we didn't get to cover because we actually uh, uh, took one of our Green News reports. We, we stood down last week during the convention, as we will again later this week. Um, but uh, scientists at, uh, where is National Weather Service? NOAA. Uh, na uh, actually, N NASA. NASA yeah, and NOAA both. Both announced, yeah, that yeah. Uh, every month in 2016 has been the hottest ever recorded on planet Earth. So, uh, yeah, this could be part of, uh, as the uh, CNN says, uh, uh, part of a long-term global warming phenomenon. You oh, you think? think? <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly what but we've been CNN, trying to warn about. Yeah. But CNN won't devote any more time to it than that. Than, than that and get out and, and back to the convention. we got to so, leave it there, folks. Let's yeah, move on. Move on. 
Uh, yeah, so that's why, in case you're wondering, that's just one of the reasons why we've been reporting as we have on climate change and global warming for so many years when everyone else was ignoring it. Speaking of everyone else ignoring it uh, and moving towards the political realm here, Donald Trump uh, has come out of the Republican National Convention ahead of Hillary Clinton nationally in the race for the White House, topping her 44 to 39 percent. If you can't do the math on the fly there, that is a 5 percent lead, a five point lead in a four way matchup that Donald Trump now enjoys against Hillary Clinton. Don, let me repeat that again. Donald Trump is leading Hillary Clinton by five points in national polls. Uh, in that matchup, uh, which includes Gary Johnson for the Libertarians and Jill Stein for the Green Party. Uh, if it's just a head-to-head two-way race, uh, Hillary, uh, Donald Trump leads Clinton by just three points. Uh, but, of course, in most states, both Gary Johnson and Jill Stein will be on the ballot. So uh, a five-point lead. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, they, uh, well, moving on to what, how CNN reports it. There hasn't been a significant post-convention bounce in CNN polling since 2000. That was the year that Al Gore and George W. Bush both boosted their numbers by an identical eight points post-convention before they ultimately battled all the way to the Supreme Court. Uh, so we'll see if uh, Hillary Clinton enjoys a similar bump after her convention. But uh, once again, to repeat, Donald Trump is up by at least five points in this new national poll from uh, from CNN ORC. And um, now they, they go on to say that there's not enough data uh, to get battleground uh, samples here, but a battleground uh, tracking poll from CBS News after the election, I'm sorry, after the convention, found that support for Donald Trump ticked up across battleground states. Trump now has 42 percent across the 11 battleground states that are surveyed by CBS. That's up from 40 percent that he had last week before the convention. Hillary Clinton has 41 percent. That's unchanged from last week's poll. So according to CBS News poll, Donald Trump is now up in the specific battleground states overall. Uh, that would include Colorado, Florida, Iowa, Michigan, North Carolina, New Hampshire, Nevada, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Virginia, and Wisconsin. So after a chaotic, disorganized, and, and hate-filled Republican National Convention, his polls are up. That's, that's disturbing. Yeah, things are going pretty well, as it turns out. Who could have predicted it? Uh, let's see, uh, as part of that CNN poll, by the way, uh, they find that uh, Republicans now believe that uh, Trump, not not just actually Republicans, this is all, I think, uh, across Republicans, Democrats alike, uh, now say 68% now say that Clinton is not honest and not trustworthy. That is her worst rating on that measure in the uh, CNN ORC polling. Uh, 68 percent find her untrustworthy. Clinton campaign manager Robbie Mook plays down those poll numbers, uh, which give Trump that edge coming out of the Republican convention. He said Trump didn't win over persuadable voters. He simply shored up his base. Mook told reporters at Bloomberg that uh, that uh, the convention in Philadelphia, quote, it was just an angry mob. An angry mob that's polling very well, apparently. Yeah. And speaking of angry mobs, Democratic National uh, Chair Committee Chairwoman, uh, Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, 
was met with boos from protesters in the audience when she took the stage Monday morning in Philadelphia to address the Florida delegation just before the opening of the Democratic National Convention in Philadelphia. Here's what it sounded like uh, when Debbie Wasserman Schultz was speaking to her own people uh, in, the, uh, in the Florida caucus on Monday. It's so wonderful to be able to be here in my home, with my home state. All right, everybody now, settle down. Everybody settle down, please. We know that the voices in this room that are standing up and being disruptive, we know that that's not the Florida that we know. The Florida that we know is united. in Florida's 23rd Congressional District. And look, and thank all of you. Thank all of you for your incredible support. And you will see me every day between now and November 8th on the campaign trail. And we will lock arms. And we will not stand down. We will make sure that the people of Florida have the priorities that we know we need to accomplish. Well, that went well. <laughs> that was the uh, chair. At least uh, she had been the chair until this morning of the Democratic National Committee. Debbie Wasserman Schultz talking to Florida delegates uh, and being met with protesters. And it wasn't just uh, the Florida delegates and it wasn't just uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Uh, discontent with Hillary Clinton, according to w Roll Call, was on full display at the California delegation breakfast. The California delegation breakfast on Monday morning ahead of the uh, uh, first night of the DNC. Members of the delegation repeatedly disrupted the lineup of speakers, including House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi with the protestation against Clinton and cheers for her erstwhile pri primary rival, Vermont Senator Bernie Sanders. Roll call goes on to say that Sanders won 43 percent of the California's Democratic primary vote in June compared to Hillary Clinton's 56 percent. Roll call is absolutely wrong about that, by the way. That's a, uh, they, they describe a 13-point win for Hillary Clinton out here in California. In fact, um, she won only by 7%, not 13%. I've let Roll Call know about that hours ago. Simone Pathé is the uh, reporter there, and there's still no correction from Roll Call about four or five hours later on that. In any event, um, whenever a speaker at this uh, California delegation uh, elected to, uh, to talked about uniting to elect Clinton in November, the crowd balked, the report, the Roll Call says. They booed. Congressman Michael Honda, they chanted Bernie, Bernie, Bernie during Congresswoman Barbara Lee's address. Nancy Pelosi, for her part, tried to unify the room, emphasizing the commonalities uh, in the room, em emphasizing commonalities in the room rather than the divisions. She says the differences that we have are not so great compared to the chasm between us and Republicans. When a, uh, a Bernie sign was thrust into her face, she remained calm. She said, I don't consider it a discourtesy, even if it is intended as one. The minority leader said she'd always hoped uh, she'd always opposed the superdelegate system. She praised Sanders for staying in the race through California, through the primary in June, because it helped boost the turnout for Democrats in the uh, on the down ballot races. 
and she downplayed the divisions and dismissed concerns that the booing of the presumptive nominee would hurt her party. She said, well, you know, it's the Democratic Party. We've never been a monolith, and we've always tried to reach consensus, but unanimity has never... It's just an impossibility for any party, she says. Um, so that's what it was like from uh, Florida to California for the delegation. The pressure uh, eventually got to be too much. And Debbie Wasserman Schultz announced she would step down from her uh, her role as Democratic Party national chairwoman. This amidst more emails that were released on Friday said to have been hacked from uh, Democratic Party officials offering still more evidence that the DNC was in cahoots, if you will, with uh, Hillary Clinton supporting uh, her nomination throughout the primary cycle. Uh, those uh, also those uh, emails show a DNC emails show that how major donors are rewarded. And frankly, that was more interesting to me than what we already knew. We already knew. I find, frankly, uh, I haven't gone through all 20,000. If anybody finds anything, my email address is bradcast at bradblog.com. I found nothing really surprising uh, or newly outrageous in those emails as they've been reported so far. The newly leaked ones, they told us what we already knew, which was, yes, the DNC had its thumb on the scale for Hillary Clinton. Not a surprise. I guess I'm not particularly outraged about it. By the way, we show up in one of those emails, Desi. Really? Did you, did you know that? Yeah. No. There was, uh, it looks like one of the one of the shows that we did here on the broadcast concerning vaping and, <laughs> how, and how Democrats are supporting, supporting the tobacco industry yeah. by the big tobacco yeah. industry by supporting these regulations. By opposing vaping and e-cigarettes. Yeah. Uh, so we, we show up in there. Um, but, you know, if you see anything disturbing that we ought to know about, let me know. Bradcast at bradblog.com. The FBI now confirms it is investigating this uh, DNC email hack. Democrats have attributed the, uh, these hacks to Russian intelligence organizations. As we go to air here today, AP reports that the DNC has now issued a sincere apology to Sanders and his supporters for, quote, inexcusable remarks in those leaked emails. Donna Brazil. Uh, longtime Democratic Party stalwart, uh, and, and I should add, voting rights champion will now uh, replace Debbie Wasserman Schultz, at least on an interim basis. She had been serving as the DNC's vice chair for civic engagement and voter participation. In addition to her role as a contributor at both CNN and ABC News, she's now stepped down from those positions in light of her new role as uh, interim DNC chair. Now, I've had a spirited run-ins uh, with uh, Brazil over the years, particularly years ago after the 2004 election, but I've gotten to know her a little bit uh, since then, and I'll just think uh, I'll just say that I think the uh, DNC has made a very wise choice in both getting rid of Wasserman Schultz and in putting uh, Brazil in that spot, uh, though they would have been wiser to do it many months ago. Bernie Sanders, for his part, he too was booed at an event uh, today, speaking to his supporters before the DNC kickoff. Uh, here's what it sounded like uh, when Bernie Sanders was being booed by his own supporters. We have got to defeat Donald Trump. And we have got to elect Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine. Brothers and sisters, 
Brothers and sisters, this is, this is the real world that we live in. Trump is a bully and a demagogue. Trump, Trump has made bigotry and hatred the cornerstone of his campaign. Wow, that was uh, Bernie Sanders on Monday in Philadelphia speaking to Sanders supporters. He went on to say that, uh, as uh, all of you will recall, when we began this campaign over a year ago, we were considered to be fringe players by the establishment and the corporate media. Well, a year has come and gone, he says. We are not fringe players anymore. We have shown the entire world that our ideas are not some crazy, wild, utopian fantasies. They are ideas supported by working people from one end of this country to another. I believe he has indeed, and I believe his supporters would be wise to uh, give a listen to the man they've supported for so many months. we got to take a quick break. Eric Bullert is standing by on maybe the biggest news of the week. I'm Brad Friedman. This is your Bradcast. Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast, both brought to you without corporate or political influence. Why? Because we rely on you to help keep us completely independent. Please drop by bradblog.com donate today and help us stay on your public airwaves. That's bradblog.com donate. You'll thank yourself later. I'll thank you now. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. Well, this story, particularly as huge as I believe it is, this story was somewhat buried uh, amidst the madness of last week's Republican National Convention in Cleveland. But after 20 years, the mastermind or evil genius, if you prefer, of uh, Fox News, one Roger Ailes, its CEO and founder from The Jump, Uh, The man who essentially mastered the art of right wing cable television news propaganda was officially pushed out of his job in the wake of sexual harassment charges against him levied by the recently fired longtime Fox News host Gretchen Carlson. Her charges, according to reporting on the matter, have now been backed up by at least some 20 other current or former Fox staffers who reportedly offered similar accounts of sexual harassment and intimidation by Ailes. That uh, in an internal investigation commissioned by Fox News parent company 21st Century Fox, one of those who is said to have stepped forward with similar accounts to Carlson's is current Fox News primetime superstar Megyn Kelly. But frankly, this news, uh, at least as far as I'm concerned, is much more than a sexual harassment case. This is with Ailes out for the first time in decades. Fox Fox News, the official uh, uh, quote unquote news channel of the Republican Party, could now be rudderless as Ailes famously is uh, not said to have prepared anyone else to take over for him. And uh, what that means for Fox at this point, and more importantly to the national political news, uh, political world, given Fox News's 
amazingly huge influence on both American politics and the rest of the corporate mainstream media. All of that now remains to be seen. Nobody really knows where this is headed. Uh, here now to talk about all of this might be someone who knows where this is headed a little bit, our old friend Eric Bollert, senior fellow at Media Matters for America, author of Bloggers on the Bus, How the Internet Changed Politics and the Press, and boy, howdy, was he right, and Lapdogs, How the Press Rolled Over for Bush. Eric Bollert, sir, welcome back to the broadcast. Hey, Brad, how are you? <laughs> I'm okay, barely hanging in there. Hope you're doing the same. Uh, you're heading down to Philly soon, uh, by the way? I am, I am, to see the festivities. All right, uh, good luck to you. Bring, <laughs> uh, bring, I don't know, gas mask, bulletproof vest, I don't know what you're going to need. Uh, in any event, you got to be happy today, I would think, uh, just because you have been watching Fox, uh, Fox News, as it is for so many years. I, I, I don't know how your brain is still functional, to be frank. <laughs> Uh, how, how many years now have you been have you been following the goings on in in not just the uh, Fox News but the right wing media as an uh, as a whole? Oh my gosh, probably since my early days at Salon fifteen years ago. I mean, Media Matters has been monitoring Fox almost every day for for close to ten years. So yeah, I mean the ales the ales firing. That's what I'm calling it. I mean, they can call it. You know, he's still working as a consultant or whatever. I mean, he's clearly shoved out i think one day last week he mm -hmm. wasn't allowed in the building yeah. uh so he was fired and, and i tweeted last week i said i, re I remembered the day glenn beck got fired and and, and I, re I literally remember you know it was one of those instances where you were and what you were doing because mm -hmm. again media matters was so central to that fight um in terms of glenn beck you know calling obama a racist and then mm -hmm. having his his advertising base disappeared. So, I, you know, there are these seminal moments for, for Fox News, and clearly, you know, Roger Ailes, he built this thing from scratch. He was top-down. I mean, he, he that Islamophobia, that race-baiting, mm -hmm. that ugly hate rhetoric, uh, Democrats are traitors, that all came from Roger Ailes. Mm. That came from the top. Yep. And we've seen a generation of Fox News hosts who desperately want to please Roger Ailes, and the way they do that is malign people with just sort of rancid hate rhetoric. And then on the flip side, he's basically, he's, you know, certainly under Obama, you could make the argument he, he was running the Republican Party. Mm. Uh, he was picking the candidates. He was picking the talking points. Fox News created the Tea Party with nonstop coverage back in 2009. So the fact that he was, he was, thrown overboard, and he was thrown overboard by Murdoch and his sons, who I think, it seems pretty clear, saw this Gretchen Carlson lawsuit as a chance to finally oust him from his corner office, and they did that by hiring an outside firm to start asking questions, and by all reporting, uh, they immediately found all kinds of problems, both current and former female employees telling stories about Hales, telling stories about other male supervisors, uh, it, it, became, it became clear uh, there was no way the Murdoch family and the Murdoch sons were going to tolerate this anymore, uh, particularly 
knowing that the Suns have wanted him out for years. And and I want to talk about where that where that goes or where we can guess that it goes. Uh, before I get to that specific point, though, as as we're watching things unfold in Philadelphia, uh, any early word or maybe guess uh, as to what is getting more attention uh, in the media and, and, and frankly, c- compared to what I think is more important? What's getting the more, uh, more inten- uh, attention? What's more important? Fox News... Mastermind Roger Ailes resigning on the last day of the Republican National Convention or DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz resigning as chair yeah, on the first point. day of the DNC. What's getting more most attention and which one should get more attention as far as you're, you're concerned? Well, I, I think certainly the Wasserman Schultz story was, is getting more attention and, and you, you, I can't even calculate how more powerful mm-hmm. Roger Ailes is to the Republican Party than Debbie Wasserman Schultz is to the Democratic Party, uh, and 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 the, the the damage done to sort of public debate, the damage done to to politics in this country. I mean, Ailes was such a destructive force. Uh, so clearly, he, he's he's such it's such a bigger story. And the only silver lining for Roger Ailes last week is, as you point out, the the story kind of got lost. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the shuffle, and just because the Trump campaign, the Trump convention was such a big news, there were so many things sort of jumping off the rails, whether it was his wife plagiarizing Michelle Obama or mm-hmm. or, or things like that. Um, and, you know, frankly, I think Fox uh, scheduled it that way. You know, they knew this was coming. They had a couple weeks, and I don't think it's any coincidence that Ailes was kicked out in the afternoon that Trump was going to give a speech. I think that was calculated in a way. Uh, to, there was no way the story was ever going to get ignored, but it was the Fox or, the, or, or 21st Century Fox's attempt to bury it a little bit, and I think they were successful. Look, you know, the Beltway Press for 20 years has treated, for the most part, has treated Roger Ailes as this brilliant genius. You know, we, we read all those glossy magazine profiles, uh, all those New York Times profiles over the year. Never a hint that any of this was going on. My point being, you know, the press has treated Roger Ailes with, mm. with basically kid gloves, mm-hmm. considering the damage he's done to politics. And people, you know, the, the Beltway Press treated people like Media Matters and other people who, who pointed out the damage he was doing and the, just the nonstop lies that Fox told. Well, you know, we were just being partisan, and you've got to take that with a grain of salt. Uh, but now we're finding out from Fox's own employees what, what a cesspool uh, Ailes was running. Women groped, women, you know, being forced to kiss their employers, you know, horrendous um, uh, sort of mm-hmm. uh, sexual talk at work, at parties. Uh, there was a detailed piece about this Washington correspondent, uh, 2007, who was hired. Uh, she was thrilled, um, and she was told by the D.C. bureau chief, you know I am hiring you, right? Meet me in my hotel room. I mean, this is stuff out of the fifties and sixties yeah. that that was uh, appears to be regular pattern of constant behavior by an international news organization in in, in the two thousands, which is just remarkable. So, to answer your question, Ailes is such a bigger story. But again, I think the press has never really wanted to know uh, the dark side about Fox News. Because they just like to they they like to paint it as well. It's just a conservative, you know. It's the it's it's the conservative version of MSNBC, right? right? So 
that's where they want to leave it, and they, they don't really want to ask too many questions about what's really going on and, over there. And I think it also speaks to uh, not just the, the lapdog nature of the rest of the, you know, the non-right-wing media, like the New York Times and so forth, that they, uh, you know, have been so glowing about ales over the years, but the fact that uh, word of the, you know, you've got, what was it, 20, I think the last number I saw was some 25 women yeah. have now come forward. The fact that this was so prevalent, apparently, and yet did not get out, I, I think it suggests... Uh, or at least underscores the amazing power that Ailes had, the fear uh, with which he must have, have run that place, that all of these people were, until now, really afraid to come out and talk about this and talk about what was going on. I think that speaks to his power, but... Uh, but now we've got, you know, the Murdochs, um, uh, Rupert Murdoch and his two sons. Uh, they were complimentary of Ailes in their statement uh, on Friday, I think it was, uh, saying that he will actually, that Ailes will stay on in an advisory role, as you mentioned, Eric, uh, with, with Murdoch himself, Rupert Murdoch taking over the, the lead at Fox News. Does any of that work, Ailes staying on in some capacity, given the reasons that he was fired in the first place? Uh, that seems to me to, to not make a hell of a lot of sense if those claims are true. And does Rupert Murdoch uh, taking over to head up Fox, uh, given that he's allowed this environment to go on for so long? He was, you know, uh, uh, Ailes reported directly to him, to Rupert Murdoch. Does that work? I mean, surely he's known about it, but he let his friend Roger Ailes run the show this way for 20 years. Can can that hold? Yeah, I think a lot of this is smoke screens. You know, the sun's being complimentary to Ailes, saying he's going to be a consultant. Basically, I think the consultant is, if, you know, if Rupert wants to call Ailes and ask him something about the transition, Ailes will take its call. I don't think there's anything beyond that. Uh, the sun's, it, this was all, the red flags for Ailes were all raised 13 months ago when Rupert Murdoch said he was officially stepping down as CEO of, of uh, 21st Century Fox, and his two sons were taking over. Mm -hmm. His two sons, one of the first orders of business they made clear to the press was Roger Ailes. Roger, you know, 21st Century Fox is a huge multimedia TV movies. You know, it, it's, it, they've got their pockets and hands in everything. One of the first things the sons did was make a public statement that Roger Ailes now, now reports to us he doesn't report to his father. Ailes freaked out, went to Rupert. Rupert got a statement saying, oh, yes, he will report to me. And then in the third statement, the, son, the sons reaffirmed that Ailes will report to them. So when they took over, this massive media company, one of their first priorities was making sure that Roger Ailes no longer had direct access to their father, and that was the writing on the wall. And, and also, uh, Ailes had lost some uh, key corporate allies over the years through retirements and buyouts. So he was outgunned, and it was he, it was clear he was outgunned uh, for the two weeks after the Gretchen Carlson lawsuit was filed until the time he was thrown overboard. Uh, his his media team uh, was completely outgunned and outmaneuvered. Uh, it seems clear to me the Murdoch sons were working the press very effectively, lots of different resource, uh, outlets uh, telling the story that they wanted to tell. Um, so they wanted him out, 
and 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 they absolutely within hours of this Gretchen Carlson lawsuit made it clear that the 20% was hiring an outside law firm, very unmurdock thing to do, and basically gave them carte blanche. And that's where we get the realization now that as many, maybe two dozen people have talked to them. And the big bombshell last week was was Gabriel Sherman's report in New York Magazine that when Megan Carlson, I'm sorry, sorry Megan Kelly. Kelly yeah. They're, they're, they're rising star at Fox News, met with these attorneys. She told them that he that she had been sexually harassed by Roger Ailes a decade ago. That was when you knew it was over. Yeah. There was no way he was going to possibly stay. That was Megyn Kelly making her move. When she was asked about it, there was no denial from her. Um, so that's how it all played out. Uh, as, as Michael Wolf, a Murdoch biographer, told the Washington Post, this really has very little to do with sexual harassment and way more to do with an internal coup mm. led by the Murdoch sons, and, and now they finally got hailed out. And the question now is what do the sons do, right? Mm-hmm. They, they're going to get this report. They're going to detail information about what a cesspool of Fox News is. Is it just Roger Ailes, or are they cleaning shop? I'm, I'm not suggesting they turn it into a liberal outlet and, you know, everyone holds hands, kumbaya. Murdoch is going to want Fox News to be right wing, but... How can you keep these people in play? How can you keep the the general counsel in place? How can you keep the head of human resources in place? How can you keep these executives who women are saying gave us promotions only if we slept with them? You can't do that. If they want to be responsible corporate citizens, and that's what their statement suggested last week, it's not just about L's. They've, they're going to have to do a lot more. So you're predicting, uh, Eric Bollert, uh, that we're going to see more heads rolling uh, uh, among, uh, amidst this uh, mess at Fox News? I don't know. I don't know. And it all goes back to the machinations, right? Mm-hmm. If the Suns really want to root out the Ailes influence, if they want to get rid of Ailes, which they've done, and now do they want his top lieutenants to remain entrenched running the show? Do they want to butt heads with these guys for years to come, or can they throw this, you know, this 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 this, this um, law firm's investigation on the table? Say, guys, it's time to go. Well, We're bringing in my people. He, so it's it's key because this lawsuit provided the Murdochs with a, a great opportunity. It gives them amazing leverage if they want to make far far-reaching changes. And, uh, and that's the top of Fox News. And that's that's the question. I'm speaking with Eric Bollard of Media Matters. Uh, he wrote about the, uh, what's the headline here? Ailes, Trump, and the Republican Reckoning uh, last week after it was announced that Roger Ailes was, in fact, being pushed out of, uh, of Fox News. Uh, Eric, what I'm trying to figure out is, you know, after Andrew Breitbart died over at Breitbart News, and uh, you and I had uh, battled uh, famously with him for many years, um, after he died, there was a bit of a power struggle over there. There was an attempt to remain relevant. That's right. Some success. But largely what happened after uh, Breitbart died, it seems, is that uh, they, they remain relevant, but only really to the most hardcore faithful. In other words, I'm wondering, like Breitbart News, uh, will yeah. Fox continue but become even more focused on an increasingly small segment of the electorate? Or... 
you know, to put it another way, uh, part of Ailes's genius here, along with Breitbart's, was figuring out how to make that right wing agenda appeal to the mainstream general public. Right. And that required a finesse that uh, I think the diehards that were left behind at, at, uh, at Breitbart really don't understand. Will we see something similar like that at Fox News, where their pool gets increasingly, you know, m more strident, but, uh, you know, more pointed to a smaller and smaller group of, of believers? It, you know, it's possible. Breitbart kind of became this sort of weird white nationalist site, right? Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. why the, they're so closely aligned with Trump. And, and that certainly is the radical fringe running through the conservative movement. Is there a chance that Fox News would basically, you know, adhere itself to that and just kind of ride that very narrow niche? It's possible. It seems like it would be a awful business decision. And again, uh, with the Murdoch sons overseeing it now, they they take a much more international mainstream view. Look, his, the, the Murdoch, Rupert Murdoch has always, you know, Fox News was always his baby. It was him and Ailes. The Suns always looked at it as, as this bizarre, <laughs> you know, I mean, mm -hmm. you know, they're young executives who travel the world. They live in London. They live in L.A. I mean, they understand the idiocy of Fox News, <laughs> but they also understand that 2014, I think it, I think it provided 18% of 21st century's profits. So, I, I would be shocked if under them it took a hard, you know, in a desperate attempt to kind of remain relevant with a conservative movement that's going hard, hard right, that they followed that movement hard, hard right. But I don't know. I, they, they, they don't want to become CNN light. Everyone says, oh, you know, it's a well-oiled machine. You know, they're just going to keep going on with Aldales. Show me many businesses, let alone media properties, where the person who founded it left after 20 years, and three years later, everything was great, and everything was just as good, is very, very rare. There's a reason media imprints thrive when they have one mm -hmm. person dictating uh, you know, the content, the flavor, the culture, whatever you want to call it. Which is what I'm wondering about, that, you know, they'll go on, but maybe they'll be a shell of what they were, the way Breitbart sort of looks like what it was, but it isn't. It has become this, you know, this hard, right, ugly, right. white nationalist bastion. Well, you know, and, and you also have to look, I mean, O'Reilly's contract is up. He, there's no way he's going to walk away from another $20 million, but, you know, in four years, he's going to be, I don't know, 77? Mm -hmm. I don't even know how old he is. I mean, these guys have been there for so long that at some point, and, and, you know, in the Fox viewership, average age 67, which is off the charts for cable, t not only <laughs> off the charts for cable news, it's off the charts for cable television. Right, right. It is by far, um, I, I don't have the stats in front of me, I guarantee you, it is the oldest audience on all of cable television. Eric, I... And, yeah, I was just going to say, in a couple yeah. of years, what if that's 69, 70 years old? Then yeah. they're in trouble. Yeah, no, I know. And and I've got just a minute or two, but there was uh, two or three qu quick questions I have for you. Well, we'll see how quick they are. Hopefully they're quick. Uh, you have also written, since you mentioned O'Reilly, you've also written about uh, Rush Limbaugh recently and his right. wildly inflated contract uh, with, um, uh, used to be called Clear Channel, now it's right. called iHeartMedia. Yeah, uh, that that is that contract is coming to an end. So you got Ailes out at Fox, right. you got Limbaugh potentially out by the end of the year. I think from his doesn't his contract run out at the end of this year? It's up this year sometime. Yeah, uh, is this potentially a, uh, the, the end of Limbaugh as well <laughs> and right wing media as we have uh, come to know it and loathe it in this country for, for well, decades? Well, 
let's not go, you know, let's, we, we can only hope. The, the deal with Limbaugh is he could clearly stay on the radio if he wants to. There's no way he's going to get the contract mm-hmm. he, he got. The, the absolutely mind-bogglingly awful contract Clear Channel gave him five years ago. He, if he wanted to stay on the radio, he might get half, not even half, which would be sort of slightly humiliating for him. He could go to XM or Sirius if he wanted to. I, I assume they, would, you know, he's the most famous name in talk mm-hmm. radio. But the number of people that would pay for his show—I don't know, maybe a million, maybe two million. Um, so yeah, no, it's you know there there are challenges on the horizon <clears throat> in terms of a business plan. You know, it's not working for Limbaugh. Uh, the advertisers aren't there. He's getting knocked off big stations in places like Boston and L.A. and and, and New York, and and that's where those key advertisers want. Um, and and just think about this campaign cycle. I mean, this has been the wildest, crazy campaign cycle ever. How many days in the last 365 years did anyone talk about Rush Limbaugh? You know, he, he's just not there. Mm. He's just not. It's he's not. He's certainly not driving the conversation anymore. And, and I think advertisers are. are into that as well. I think that the corporate media and the nation, and in particular Democrats, Eric, uh, still don't understand the effect that Fox News and right-wing talk radio, uh, including you know guys like Rush, particularly guys like Rush, no matter how relevant or not they may now be, I I, I don't think. They understand the effect of all of that that it has had on our entire psyche as a nation. I right. don't think we would be in this mess in right. Congress, in our presidential race, in our right. politics, if not for Fox and Roger Ailes. But I still don't think that's well enough understood or appreciated. Am I right or wrong there? How do you see yeah, that? Yeah, no, I was amazed last week. You know, in that column I wrote, Ailes, Trump, and the Republican Reckoning, I mean, it's so obvious. You know, the the fall of L, the rise of Trump, what has happened to the Republican Party, they handed over to this, they handed their entire agenda over to this kind of corrupt news channel. I didn't, the, the press incredibly treated those as, same, there was very little overlap. There were a couple of good columns, David Remnick at The New Yorker had one. There were one or two others where they said, look, Trump is because of Fox News. Yeah. And, and and you cannot separate the two. But the Bellway Press, for the most part, doesn't want to do it. They don't want to go there. You know, these are two completely different entities and things like that. And, and, and two quick points about how people don't understand just the extraordinary and, and disastrous effect it has on our culture. A, Fox News produces, produced Donald Trump. He took every disgusting right-wing meme and decided, I'm going to run for president. And, you know, and i got to say, you know, all this chatter about, you know, oh, Hillary's so unlikable. How come people don't like Hillary? I mean, they have been denigrating that woman for every 20 of the years that Fox News has been on. It, it has an effect. People can say, oh, you know, it doesn't really have any effect. It does. It, it absolutely does. Uh, and so, yeah, I agree. I think, I think people try to put Fox and the right-wing media in this box. Well, it doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect our politics. Those people are crazy. It permeates everything. And, and the Trump campaign is the best example of that. People are shocked. Where did he come from? Where? Oh, my gosh. How is this happening to America? Yeah. It's been broadcast for 20 years. Yeah, he, he is the Fox News channel in the form of an actual person. And I think you got it right, Erica, in your piece when you said Trump is the Fox News id. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'll... 
I'll uh, dispute only one point you made. They have been attacking Hillary Clinton for every part of those 20 years that they've been uh, in operation, except for a very few minutes. You may remember this, Eric, back in uh, 2008, when they all pretended in the primaries leading up to the 2008 presidential race how much they loved Hillary Clinton. Oh, they did support her that? for a couple of weeks. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, that was funny. They loved her. <laughs> oh, she was just great. And we've got this unknown character in Barack Obama. Hey, you Democrats really ought to uh, right, uh, right, put right. Uh, Hillary Clinton in there instead. They uh, did a, nice, a bit of trolling there for them. Yes, yeah, yes, you think? I remember it well. Anyway, i got to get out. Uh, i got so much more to ask you about, but we will hold it for another time. Eric Bullert of Media Matters. Check him out as ever at MediaMatters.org and over at Salon and on the Twitters, one of the best Twitter follow follows you'll uh, you'll make today. Uh, he is Eric Bullert over on Twitter. He is also the author of Bloggers on the Bus: How the Internet Changed Politics and the Press. Eric, always great talking to you, my friend. I suspect we'll be doing it again soon. Sounds great. Have a good one. Thank you, brother. You too. Bye bye. All right, a quick break. A quick break, and we're back with more broadcast right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. Stay tuned. <laughs> Hey, this is Brad. The 2016 election season is now at full throttle. Here at the Bradcast and bradblog.com, we fight for election integrity all year round, like no other media outlet in the nation. But we need your support to keep doing so, now more than ever. Please stop by bradblog.com donate to make a monthly pledge of any amount you like to help keep us going, or even just a one-time-only contribution. While everyone else covers the horse race, we also keep our eyes on the track conditions those horses are running on. Because voting systems, access to the polls, and citizen oversight of election results can make all the difference. Please help us continue to fight independently for your democracy. By taking about 60 seconds right now to stop by bradblog.com donate today. And thanks. Democracy is breaking out in Philadelphia. Be careful. Everyone's freaked out by it. Uh, welcome back to the broadcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. On, uh, well, as the uh, Democratic National Convention is kicking off in Philadelphia, my thanks to uh, Eric Bowler. You know, one, one other thing that uh, has been picked up not just by right-wingers but by the entire nation from Fox News is this idea of destroying your enemies. You don't just disagree with them. You don't just have a, uh, you know, try to work things out politically with them. You must destroy them. And if things don't go your way, you've got to burn down the house. That, in no small part, is the way the, uh, the Tea Party ended up wresting control of the Republican Party from the establishment, the establishment that frankly created the Tea Party on their own. But, you know, it started at the uh, the local level, the state level, the congressional level. They worked their way up by taking over the party. Progressives would be wise to do that as well. Bernie San uh, Sanders supporters would be wise to do that as well. For his part, According to NBC, uh, Bernie Sanders says he will turn over all of his delegates to Hillary Rodham Clinton 
Uh, during the roll call vote in Philadelphia, all 50 states will have their votes counted, and he will ask his delegates um, to be turned over to Hillary Rodham Clinton. Speaking of whom, we didn't even get to, <laughs> to, to cover her announcement of her vice presidential pick, Tim Kaine. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks in no p small part to those uh, emails that were hacked and that uh, show that uh, the Democratic Party all along, as we knew, had been supporting Hillary Clinton, had believed she would be the candidate, that she would be the nominee. In any event, yes, uh, late on Friday, Hillary Clinton made it official. She selected uh, former Virginia governor, uh, now senator, Tim Kaine, a moderate, if very likable, by all accounts, centrist Democrat. Uh, that Hillary and uh, other supporters are describing as uh, a progressive. By the way, if you hadn't heard, he speaks fluent Spanish. <laughs> They've gone out of their way to uh, to make clear. Y bienvenidos a todos. Yeah. Okay. So that might have something to do uh, to do with it. In any event, uh, at the uh, official event, naming him uh, as her. As her uh, running mate in Tampa, Florida on Saturday, Kane highlighted his upbringing in Kansas as the son of a union iron worker, his time abroad in South America as a as a Jesuit uh, uh, worker, his 17 years of work on civil rights issues as an attorney, his election to the Richmond, Virginia City Council. He became mayor there, then lieutenant governor of Virginia, then governor of the state before being elected as U.S. senator. Uh, he noted during his remarks that he has never lost an election in his life. That might be uh, a good omen for Hillary Clinton, who is having trouble against, uh, against Donald Trump in the polls. Uh, and in Philadelphia with the Bernie Sanders supporters. He discussed how he took over, uh, how as governor, that he took on the uh, National Rifle Association, the NRA, after the 2007 Virginia Tech massacre, where 32 were killed and 17 were wounded up until the Orlando massacre a few weeks ago. That was regarded as the worst gun slaughter in the nation, at least by a single person. And he discussed how he planned uh, to support what he described as progressive policies of Hillary Clinton and take on the dangerous candidacy of Donald Trump. Here's just a few seconds of his remarks. Here's how Hillary and I are going to continue that work with a strong, progressive agenda. We're going to make the American economy work for everybody, not just those at the top. And we'll do that by making the largest investment in good-paying jobs since World War II. We will make college debt-free for everybody. We'll rewrite the rules so that companies share their profits with workers rather than ship jobs overseas. That Wall Street corporations and the wealthy pay their fair share of taxes. And while we're on the subject of taxes, where are Donald Trump's tax returns? Raise your hand if you think those returns would show that he's paid his fair share of taxes. Well, I, I don't see a lot of, I don't see a lot of hands. We're going to fight for paid family leave, equal pay for women, and raising the minimum wage to a living wage to keep families together and to bring them out of the shadows in our administration. In the first 100 days, we'll put forward a comprehensive immigration reform package that includes a path to citizenship. That was uh, Tim Kaine, senator from Virginia, and now the presumptive vice presidential nominee, along with Hillary Clinton, speaking to supporters at their premier event together uh, in Tampa, Florida, over the weekend. 
My thanks to Desi Doyen, our producer, to Eric Bollert of MediaMatters.org for joining us, and my thanks to you, as ever, for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download it at bradblog.com or over at iTunes or your your favorite uh, podcast site. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com, and I'm on the Facebooks and the Twitters at the Brad Blog. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Everybody.